everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. <laughs> I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Welcome to the show, which is going to be technically the very first episode of 2022, but the very last episode of So Many Sequels Season 4. How about that? How exciting. figure that out better, you know? This is our, our, our end of the year recap. Another favorite episode of the year. Um, we're going to go through our top 10 favorites. We're going to talk about some just other things that happened in movies this year. And, you know, just to, just have a good time reminiscing about season four. Slightly, mm-hmm. I think, better than season three. Mm-hmm. But season well, three was a rough ride, friends. It was a rough, was a rough one. We were great. Um, in every, we were even great every season. Well, sure. But, uh, you know, it, it's the movies. You know, it's the films that got small. Yeah. yeah, but we're getting there. We're chugging okay. back. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all may remember we started this season talking about the little things. The little things came out in February, I think. Our episode came out in March. Mm-hmm. And this was a Warner Brothers movie that premiered simultaneously on HBO Go. One of the first movies of the, or not HBO Go, that's what they used to be called. Wow. HBO Max. Max. (laughs) HBO Max. HBO Uh, Go. First movies of the year that was part of that whole thing with Warner Brothers saying, okay, we're going to make a deal with theaters where we were going to, we'll release it on both at the same time, but only for 30 days on HBO Max. Big, big experiment. Um, for a major Hollywood studio and the little things was one of the first ones to do that. Um, just to kind of get a conversation rolling. We've done a full year now of that weird HBO thing. We've, we've reviewed several of the movies that did that. How do y'all think it went? Was it smart? Did did it help or hurt movies? I think it was okay. okay. Uh, Yeah. I wouldn't say it's great, but you know, uh, there are definitely some movies that deserve to be seen on the big screen, like Dune, for example, that did the simultaneous thing. Mm-hmm. But and it seemed like the conversation sort of dried up on that pretty quick, mm-hmm. didn't it? Well, and I feel like anymore that's the normal. I think the the incorrect way of having it done was releasing them at the same time. I think that if you want to have your cake and eat it too you have to give it at least a month in a theater by itself i think that will help make money we we've we've seen that certain movies can be released and be successful uh but right now it's mostly superhero movies Mm. um imagine what black widow would have been able to do what what it did and had it not been dual released what it could have done Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to what some of the other superhero ones do. And I think that is a, a one to tell of what is a successful way to do it and what is not as successful. Hey, but Black Widow also had that caveat of it was, you had to pay for it on Disney Plus. So you That's had to pay the second time basically on it in addition yeah. to a subscription. Versus now that is stupid at all together. Free with subscription. That's just well, stupid. Dis- well, whatever Disney does is stupid. I mean, I that what, method is stupid. I think the Disney Plus model worked because either way, they were making money. They make money. Right? Yeah, and so I get it. The way they make money, and either way, some people are going to say, "Well, I'm not going to pay for it. I'll just wait for it to come on Disney Plus." Well, people who are not going to pay for it and wait for it to come to Disney Plus are essentially the same people that won't go see it in the theater anyway, or they True. won't go see it 
you know, the people who you say, I'll just wait for DVD. It'll be for seven bucks on DVD pretty soon. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think where, whereas HBO max offered it up for free the same day. And that's a big difference. It's like, I don't have to do anything different. I don't have to pay anything extra. I can stay in my home. I don't have, it's not like I don't have to commit anything new to this. Um, I think clearly you have to look at, at whatever, what metric would you use to, 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 to measure if it was successful, right? Did the movies make more at the box office? Not really. Some of them did better than others. Uh, Kong versus Godzilla was that type of release. And it was uh, the first movie to make over hundred million at the box office this year. But a lot of other films released same day and didn't do as well. Um, like Dune, like uh, Suicide Squad, like In the Heights. Um, and then you look at, did it, so I don't think it's very successful from that point of view. Did it grow HBO Max's subscription base? And unfortunately, not really. Like HBO Max started the year off with something around 20 million subscribers and they're ending the year with something around 23 million, which is not that big of a jump. Um, comparatively, Netflix and Disney plus continue to, to grow, uh, to well over like a hundred million subscribers that Netflix is over like 250 million, I think, or over 200 million at least. So I think I the problem know. with HBO max's method also is that they remove movies. And I think that takes away a lot of the problem is that it's only going to be on there for a month or so. And then who knows when it's going to come back. And so they try to treat it like a similar cable situation. But to me, if I know that I'm only going to get it for a certain amount of time anyway, again, I would rather either go see it in the theater and, and, and be that way for me personally. Um, or yeah, it's not really going to attract a lot of new people just so I can get it at home. I, I don't think it's, I think that structure is not well-maintained. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, I think clearly the once movies, at least once, uh, once I think Disney and um, Paramount, I think they both committed to some theater exclusive releases. The first big one to do that was a quiet place. Part two was theater exclusive sort of still, and I think what was that March or April? I think it was like mid of late mid March or late April, early April, and it did well. Like it did very well, and a lot of people were saying, "This is how you know, this is how you got to do it." And uh, and so it was an interesting year. It's an interest. I mean, it was an interesting year and an interesting experiment. And I think the lasting uh, legacy of it is you're going to see shorter theater windows for films. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Encanto which just released in November was only in theaters for something like 32 days. Mm. Um, and uh, I think Shang-Chi's run, Eternals run, those are 45 day windows. So I think you're going to start to see like a month, month and a half. That's your window to see a movie, which means longer overall box office or a shorter overall box office halls, but potentially larger opening weekends because people are going to be like, well, this is like, you know, the few weekends I'm going to get to see this movie in a, on a big screen. It might encourage them to go out those first few weeks as opposed to stretching it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good insight there. I, I would say, I think, you know, you just got to look at more of incorporating a lot of those ideas together where they should be strategic and pick and choose which movies they're going to test that with. Um, Cause like, David, you mentioned some of those movies um, did well in the box office, even still being released on HBO Max and some not so much. 
So I think it's just a matter of trying to pick which ones you think would actually help there. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Uh, give me a second here. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what all happened this year. There's what a lot. To move on to next. Well, I guess it would make sense to talk about kind of how the box office grew throughout the year. Um, if you want to go through some of that, we're in the middle of uh, our first actual blockbuster. You know, it's like every movie that crossed 100 million, they were like, this movie saved the movies. Yes. And yeah. then we get a real blockbuster with Spider-Man No Way Home, which literally, as of this recording, just became like the 10th highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, like it, it was it's a it's a crazy situation because, you know, one of the biggest defenses for movies that were underperforming was, well, it's still a pandemic. It's yeah. still a pandemic. And, uh, you know, we we kind of saw that uh, not, you know, it, it, I don't know if it's so much the Marvel Studios branding, but at the very least, the uh, idea of Spider-Man and there being. Uh, sort of a really, really, really big Spider-Man, like a, I don't want to spoil it in case anybody's seen it, but if you're watching this, please, hopefully you watch the movies of the year. But this kind of big event Spider-Man that people were like, eh, I can quarantine for a few days, <laughs> you know, uh, and go see Spider-Man. Um, because not every not every movie brought out this kind of number, but man, huge. So, you know, um, prior to 2020, um, the box, the total year box office has just kind of slowly grown. You know, it ebbs and flows a little bit, but ever since 2009, the box office is like a, it's a $10 billion a year industry. Like it is tons of tons and tons of money. Um, and uh, in 2016 or 2015, that grew to 11 billion. And that was where the trajectory was going. 2018, 2019, were like 11 and a half billion dollar years. 2020, 1.4 billion. Like it was a huge thing, eighty-seven percent drop total across all movies at the box office. Um, you went from in twenty nineteen seven hundred and ninety-two films were released theatrically in twenty twenty three hundred and thirty. So it was just a massive hit. So one point four million. It is uh, nice to say that twenty twenty one things started back up, and not all of that is thanks to Spider Man, but it's a big boost at the end. Uh, as of the end of twenty twenty one. Where uh, the total box office gross for all movies was 4.4 billion, so that's up 210 percent from the previous year. Um, it'll be—I would be pessimistic that we'll get back to like the 11 billion dollar number in uh, 2022. But I, I think it's realistic to say that we could get up to eight, nine billion in 2022. There's still a lot of COVID uh, issues. You know, I got the Omicron variant. I'm sure whatever letter comes after Omicron in the Greek alphabet will soon be on its way. And we will, and we'll have something, we'll have something else to worry about, but um, you know, the vaccine is out there and there's plenty of, of, of safety measures we can get to. So I, I think that overall the industry will see a mild recovery, but it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Now for 2021, I'll just run through this really quick. Uh, some people will lament, this top 10, but just, um, which got to take it for what it is. So number, uh, one movie of the year is Spider-Man no way home, which is sitting at $557 million domestic in, 
like a little less than wow. 20 days, which is mass. I mean, that's massive. I mean, that's Star Wars, the force awakens style numbers. And that was one of the biggest movies of all time. And number two, you have Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings uh, with 224 million. I think it's really cool to see, you know, like an Asian led film is in the top two. Uh, that's pretty cool. It was hanging into number one for like the whole end for like most of the end of the year. And then Spider-Man. Um, then at number three, this was kind of a surprise to me, but Venom, let there be carnage brought in 212 million. Uh, number four, you have Black Widow with 183 million. And number five, you have Fast Nine, the Fast Saga, 173. And number six, Eternals brought in 164.5 million. And number seven, No Time to Die, 160.7 million. Number eight, It's a Quiet Place Part Two, which, like I said, came out. Oh, okay. Here's the here's what you say. May, May 28th um, brought in 160 million. So that came out early in the year and managed to stay in the top ten the whole year. And number nine, here's a surprise for you. Ghostbusters Afterlife brought in 123.3 and a number 10 free guy, 121 million. Um, uh, just the, the other movies that made over a hundred million are Godzilla versus Kong Dune and jungle cruise. So those are your hundred million dollar movies this year. Uh, over the last few years, the hundred million dollar movies have been like in the twenties and and 20, like, you know, maybe even, uh, high twenties. But yeah. this year, just 13 movies able to cross that threshold. So different year, but yeah. Oh, so I was going to say we reviewed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the top 10 movies of the year. So if you want to go and listen to our reviews of those films, go check those out. Yeah, do it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's, let's shift gears and, and get into our much um, anticipated Top 10 movies of the year list. We got to give the people what they want. We got to give them what they want. So uh, we're going to start at the bottom, of course. Number 10, work our way up to one. So if your movies cross over, talk about them now. Don't save it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. So yeah, we'll start with number 10. We'll go around. I assume we're going to have a lot of crossover, although rankings, maybe not, but crossover Mm -hmm. in movies. So, um, Let's start with Andrew because of where you're located on my screen. What is your top 10 favorite movie of 2021? All right. My top 10. Number 10 is Spider-Man No Way From Home. Oh, No Way Home. No Way From (laughs) Home. No Way From Home. Spider-Man Far From No Way From Home. Coming. Coming. (laughs) Part three. (laughs) Featuring (laughs) Carnage. <laughs> anyway, talk about Spider-Man. Yeah, tell us yeah, why this why, is on my top ten as well. And uh why, so, why that the reason why the, the reason why I chose Spider-Man is because uh Spider-Man, it was a fun time with the movies. It's a it's one of the best Marvel movies I think they've ever made. And the fact that it broke so many rules, I would say, in terms of crossover was very daring and very it pay, the payoff was extremely brilliant to me it was like a uh, it was like an in game moment it, it was it was just like avengers in game and i absolutely love the payoff of it and it sets itself up for something even for something that's kind of mysterious and i liked where it was going and i hope it opens the door for more crossovers in the future yeah, did definitely anyone, in my 
It's it's right. not my number 10 in my top 10. Agree with everything Andrew said. It's going to have big, uh, uh, like open a lot of doors for crossover opportunities. And I hope they take advantage of it. I think that uh, if they give the fans what they want, they've shown that they'll come out and, and support it. I mean, look at Spider-Man alone has made it to event, like in-game level numbers with just Spider-Man. So Spider-Man by itself is able to, to pull in so much because it is like the superhero yeah. movie. That's what people think of. I think it has surpassed Batman to an extent only because Marvel has been so successful uh, yeah. as, a, as a company. Spider-Man is one of the most popular superheroes of all time mm-hmm. um even before these movies so yeah it makes total sense that spider-man has that kind of power they just needed to find a way to do it right you yeah. know they did it right with toby mcguire for the most part they yeah. and those movies were massive 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 then they 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 you know trip a little bit on andrew garfield his movies uh, although he's also quite popular and now you got spider-man is the new head of the mcu and i don't see how you can like debate that it's also um it may have already done this i don't remember david probably knows better but it's going to be sony's highest grossing movie of all time um the entire sony pictures there yeah i would think so but you know it's in sony's benefit and in marvel's benefit to keep that relationship alive yeah 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 i i would not be surprised if sony tries to find a way to do two things at once there's a lot of buzz a lot of 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 uh calling out for uh andrew garfield to get a second chance right i would not be surprised if we saw sony say hey let's do our spider-man in his universe now that we established our other universes and we can have our cake and eat it too andrew garfield runs around with dr mobius and venom and whoever else we want and we'll still get to have the Marvel Studios produced Spider-Man series with Tom Holland and the Avengers, right? I would not be surprised if that happens in the next two to three years uh, or year to two years. Um, if Garfield wants yeah. to do it, I don't see why not. I think, did we all give this five stars? Do you remember? We didn't, but three of us did. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. We'll have to, uh, I'm trying to, I'm going to, so I, I am making a list. I'll say this now, I'm making a list of all the movies we agree on. And I'm trying to come up with how we would then go about ranking those movies. And so I think I'll take our aggregate score, like the whatever the four oh, okay. said together, our aggregate scores and it, that, that exist. Yeah. Because like some of the movies you guys have seen, I didn't see this year that you agree on. So we'll do We'll do that. And then we'll we'll figure it out from there. OK. OK. Uh, who wants to do their number 10 next? Da, 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 da. Um, what was my number 10? Uh, mine was A Quiet Place Part 2. Mine was, my number 10 was A Quiet Place Part 2. I have this in my um, top 10 as well. Yeah. I was skeptical as to what they could do with it. Um, the first one was just so good. It was so unexpected. I mean, it was scary. It was emotional. I mean, man, it was just such a, an experience, the whole thing. And so I was like, okay, well, how can you replicate that after you've done something this interesting? Uh, and they delivered. I mean, they delivered a solid sequel that kept you on suspense. Again, it gave you uh, it, it gave you a little bit of a prequel to where it was just enough because they can cross that line and give you too much. And then it's like, eh, it's not exciting. But you just see that it starts off just action packed and exciting. And then you get more emotional and you see that journey as they go on and you get scared along the way. And, and somehow Krasinski and, and the whole crew was able to deliver a very good sequel to a very good original 
uh, franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. agree. I agree. I, I also put this in my top 10. Um, well, I'll mention it here in a minute, but uh, yeah, what a, uh, I didn't watch a quiet place one when it came out. Uh, you, you're anticipating the anticipation of you three made me go, okay, well, I guess we'll have to look into this and uh, loved a quiet place one. Once I finally saw it, loved a quiet place too. I think it's two. It's one of those rare times uh, like with Zombieland where both movies are like, I think on par with each other for me in terms of just how good they are. They feel like nothing changed between like the, the teams, you know what I mean? Like the, the creative staff. So um, really good. Um, did miss John Krasinski a little bit, but that's not a, that's not the worst. That's not the worst complaint. Uh, it, it It's a, uh, very good. I look forward to if there is a quiet place part three, I think that um, who is it's paramount, right. That, that I think uh, distributes that or, or is the studio behind that. Yes. I think that based on how big of a, a, a like a, a deal they made about it being um, the first movie back for sort of the summer of 2021, I think they're high on the, on the project, on the, on the, on the uh, franchise and they probably will make a quiet place three. Uh, I've been saying they should do a, a quiet place series on the Paramount plus or something. Um, if they'd be, if they could not mess that up, but uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Loved it. Andrew, what'd you think of it? I loved it. And it's one of those rare times when it's not on my list. It, it is, it is in my honorable mention, uh, but I loved A Quiet Place to Part Two so much that like it's it's one of those times when it's like it's surpa- it doesn't surpass the original the first one but it's up right there with it like it's just as watchable and that's what I love about this movie I think it's terrific uh, there's nothing bad about it um, there's nothing bad about it I it just didn't just qu- did not quite make my top 10. Yep. It didn't make mine either, but it came in at number 14. So close, very close, but I, I loved the movie too. It was great. That's where, that's yeah. where Andrew had it too. Great theater experience. Um, all right. Uh, David, what was your number 10? So my number 10 was a little different, but I believe uh, Josh shares it with me. And that is um, a comedy special, if you will, Bo Burnham's inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can make an argument that it it is a film, um, as a you know, and not just a comedy special, but um, uh, it was it was one of those it's one of those situations where it's a comedian or an artist or whatever kind of giving you a real raw look at their, I guess their 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 process and their 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 headspace and stuff, and I just really found myself, uh captivated by it i related to it i was i i laughed i was appalled (laughs) i uh you know it's one of those things where uh i think i think i think i'm uh josh you're you're born in july isn't that right you're about a month older than bo burnham i'm about five months older than bo burnham and uh i just remember i remember discovering him when i was about 16 or 17 on youtube and then just i've tracked his career not sort of purposefully but you know he'll come out with a new special and i'll watch it and i just go oh man it's like that's exactly like exactly how i've said things or how i felt about things or that's how i feel like you know i don't this is going to sound creepy i feel like i could have been friends with bo if we had been in high school together like it's just 
that was the type of kid I was. I just didn't, uh, wasn't smart enough to parlay it into a YouTube career. Um, and yeah, so I, I just really dug it and it's, you know, a lot of it has stuck with me. It became a, a TikTok trend for a long time, the various, uh, Bo Burnham songs. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, at the end of the day, I was like, I got I need, I need to put this ahead of some other things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bo Burnham's inside was in my list as well. It is my third most favorite movie of 2021. Um, very relatable in all kinds of ways. Um, and just really smart. It's really smart. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. I've also followed, I've followed Bo since his, uh, YouTube days and watching his comedy grow and evolve has been a lot of fun as a fan. Um, and this this movie also just really took a um, it was a real viral moment, you know, um, it exploded in a way that I don't think anyone was prepared for because it's at the end of the day. It's just a Netflix comedy special, but it turned into this huge thing where it was memed in positive ways. It several, several moments from it took off as TikTok trends. Um, it was such a big deal that Netflix put it in theaters for a night. Um, and then he, Bo just recently released the vinyl and CD versions of the special. That kind of thing doesn't happen, um, without a real grassroots support. So I think, uh, I am happy with putting it on my list for sure. Um, and that's my thoughts on Bo Burnham's inside. Also one final note, if, uh, if there's a listing for it on Letterboxd, I feel like it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, there's yeah, listing, so I get to count it. Maybe. I mean, I don't, yeah. Yeah, I didn't put this on my list just because, uh, you know, I didn't think of it at the time. Uh, it's It falls into one of those realms of like, do I rank it as a movie or is it a comedy special that I don't worry about? And I didn't rank it, but it is a five star perfect uh, like interpretation of how a mental stress was going through all of uh, the pandemic. Yeah. <clears throat> the funny part that the part that the part that really hit home for me was he's trying to finish it like this whole thing before he turns 30, you know? And I was like, man, that was me in 2020 it was like, you're sitting and going like, this is my, this is how I, I, uh, I, I welcome in my thirties is with this pandemic. And it's just like, uh, not the coolest way to do it. I had my birthday party. I think, yeah, Garrett and Andrew, I think you were there. I had my, I had a surprise birthday party hmm. and then the pandemic started like, uh, you know, officially started like, to like a week and a half later or so not fun <laughs> I, I do remember that yeah that was a not a good time no the birthday was great but the, yeah. <laughs> the pandemic was not all right uh, <laughs> uh my number 10 is a little little movie called malignant uh, mm -hmm. this movie was directed by james wan it is a horror movie that is such a blast it is my kind of movie for sure it is a movie that i that's pretty divisive from what i gather people either think it's stupid or they think it rules i think it rules um it's super fun it's gross it's unique enough and the villain is like it, there's some fun twists and i i love it i love malignant so that is number 10 on my uh, list, I gave it four and a half stars. 
It is a wild, crazy ride of fun and sanity for me, too. Uh, It's not in my top 10, but it is a very interesting idea for a horror movie. Love it. Love it. So you guys, you guys. I have not gotten around to seeing it yet. So it's not in my top 10. But I do really like James Wan. I was introduced in. Re- oh, there's my wife. I was introduced in recent years in this recent these, these last two years to the Conjuring franchise. Yeah, which is uh, James Wan's yeah thing, and uh, loved those. So I, I'd be very interested to see a different horror movie from him. Um, uh, so you know, I, I'm interested in seeing it. It's it's fun. I re- I recommend it. Uh, feel free. Anyone who wants to talk to me about Malignant, go for it because we didn't get to record an episode. Um, all right, so, uh, moving on then. Andrew, what was your uh, ninth most favorite movie of the year? My number nine was Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. West Side Story. West was Side also Story. On my, it was on my top 10 as well. All right. Uh, uh, did you two ever see it? Nope. No, no, okay. Well... I will say that, like, I'm not a fan of remakes. Sure. I'm not. It's, Generally it's very, except for it's true, very, yeah. very, very seldom that I like remakes. Um, this one, on the other hand, took the cake for me. Okay. And you all right? Yep. <laughs> I'm not sure why we're laughing, but. Okay. Uh, we are this laughing. This one took. This one took the cake for me and I absolutely loved it. And it was dizzying. It was, it was phenomenally well choreographed, well photographed. Uh, A lot of it, a lot of it had great just musical numbers. Some were a little off, but that's neither here or there. Um, But other than that, I think it was a fantastic uh, remake of this of this classic film and i hope it gets the recognition it does deserve yes i agree as the other person with this movie on my list i will let you know how high it is later uh but i think this version of west side story is one of the best uh steven spielberg movies i think he really um stepped up his game in a way he hasn't in a long time with this one um the the movie's only real problem to me is the unfortunate uh, presence of Ansel Elgort. He is not ideal, but what are you going to do? Uh, you know, it yeah. was recorded in 2019. It was, it was made a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm referencing there, Josh. But yeah. yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, but, it, it, but it is really good, and it updates the original in a lot of really, I think, positive ways. Um, I think it's worth checking out. Um, especially if you are a fan of the original or a fan of musicals in general. So, so, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing it. Um, I'm a big Spielberg fan. So I, I, I've always wanted to see him dabble in genres. He hasn't dabbled with. I've always wanted to see a Steven Spielberg horror film, but I will take a musical. So, um, I look forward to, to checking that out. Um, to move on Gary, we already talked about your number nine, which is Spider-Man no, no way home. So yeah. I'll, I'll move, I'll bring up my number nine, which was, uh, the power of the dog. Uh, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, releasing on Netflix this uh, just started um, this November, I think, or December. And uh, this was uh, for me a movie that really lost me in the beginning, uh, but won me back by the end. Uh, the the last it's broken up into chapters, 
and as how they they have like little chapter titles that come up and uh the last half or the last like like chapters four through six or or five through seven whatever they were uh really changed the game for me in terms of my enjoyment the first half was kind of meandering i'll say but it stuck it benedict cumberbatch is pretty captivating you're really really uneasy about him the entire time uh and you really kind of fear or you're really kind of worried for the family. Not it like, it's hard to say what he's going to do, but he's, but it's a good performance. I think on his part, nice. I don't think anybody yeah, else had this one. No, it's not my top 10, but it is a movie that I watched and, you know, I also enjoyed it, but I couldn't really tell you why. Um, I think that the performance, I think Benedict's Benedict's performance was very, very good. Um, I think that he was very scary. Uh, and intimidating, but also you kind of see a little bit, you see some layers to him to an extent. Um, But I also don't necessarily think I followed the movie the whole way through. Uh, It lost me in places because it was such a slow burn. Um, So I enjoyed it, but not exactly sure why, other than the performances. Yeah. I, I agree with exactly what Gary said. Uh, it was hard for me to follow. It's in my top 20, but not my top 10. Um, I do think this is one of those movies where I needed to see it in a the theater because I need to literally be strapped down and like made to look at it because <laughs> it does make your want, your mind wonder. And if you're at home, it's very easy to find a distraction. It is. There are there are a lot of scenery shots. You know, and there's a lot of like atmospheric shots. So it's very easy to sort of like get, you kind of get distracted by watching, you know, the hills or the grass move or or cows, you know, or whatever. Andrew, did you see this? I did see this. And like it was it. the last, uh, yeah, at the le- this was the last movie that I saw of 2021. And no, I didn't like it. I had, I, I think it was, I think it was good in terms of what you all said, like, I think Benedict Cumberbatch's performance is absolutely amazing. I think the scenery is absolutely amazing. But uh, yeah, I just couldn't get into the story. Just could not get into it. And I, I had a hard time. Like I, I had a hard time with it. It was a slow burn. Yeah, I, so, I could easily see the reasons that I liked it being the reasons that somebody would hate it or dislike yeah. it. Because like I said, I, I was like, I was like, uh, an hour or like an hour and 10 minutes into the movie. And I was like, well, this was misleading marketing. Like I, I really, cause the trailer is really, really, really like, Oh gosh, this is going to be like a scary Western thriller of some type. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is slow getting started. I mean, yeah, it is slow getting in and, and I love Jesse Plemons. Um, I don't really he was not in it very much, though. I tell no. you what, that performance was a little phoned in because he did. I, he said maybe what twenty words. I know, and that was the thing is I kept waiting for like uh, I kept waiting for the coin to flip with him. I kept waiting for mm-hmm. I kept waiting for some shoes to drop, and it just felt like they never were boots in this case. Yeah. And finally, the big boot dropped at the end. I was like, holy heck! I was like, yeah, okay, okay, because like it. I, I don't want to spoil the whole film here, but we can talk about it off mic. But yeah, the I, the whole. Sometimes, sometimes a solid ending can save a movie, and, and that's kind of what it did for me here. And so I, that's why I have it so high, but I can definitely see how it would turn people off. Yeah. Josh, what was your number nine? My number nine was a little movie called Nobody. Nobody! Nobody. Did anybody else put that on their list? 
Yes, uh, it's in my list, but it's not in my top 10. Okay, so Andrew, it's on your top 10 as well? Mm-hmm. It is. Okay, good. Yeah, Nobody came out early in the year. It stars Bob Odenkirk, uh, better known as Saul Goodman from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. And also just a great uh, comedic history with Mr. Show and all kinds of other great stuff. I love Bob Odenkirk. And when I first saw the trailer that Bob was going to be this like badass action movie star, I went, no way, I got to be there. And he delivered. I love that movie. It is like it is like Bob Odenkirk's John Wick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just kicks so much butt, and it's mm-hmm. so much fun to watch. I watched it twice last year. Um, we I, I watched it uh, in theaters, and then um, when he had his heart attack. I think some of you were here, or I think Andrew and Garrett. Yeah. We watched it after a little after Bob's heart attack when we had that scare um, while he was filming Better Call Saul and. Thankfully, Bob is okay and doing well again for hopefully yes. more more nobody sequels because I need them. Yeah, it looks like you a yeah. You tell me that Bob Odenkirk is an action star, and my first response is how. And then you show me nobody, and I go, okay, yeah, sign me up. Makes perfect sense. Whatever, whatever. Give me give me more. I'll watch him whoop everybody's ass any day of the week. That is my same reaction whenever I first saw it. I'm like, oh my god. This is awesome. This makes sense. I can tell you this: every old actor or old every every middle aged actor in Hollywood is asking their agent to find them a John Wick project. Yeah, because yeah. I because I and I know and I say this because I watched an interview between Colin Farrell, I think, and someone else. I can't remember who the other person was. And Colin Farrell was like the other person asked him about doing big big blockbuster movies, like being in the in like a fantastic beasts or total recall versus being in like a more like artsy film. And does he have like, does he have a preference? And he goes, I don't really have a preference, but I, I enjoy the different projects. He goes, I keep begging my agent to find me a John wick type movie to do. Yeah. And so like, I, and I was like, I can see Colin Farrell in a John wick type movie. So oh, yeah. everybody, so I, I think, I think there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys in their like forties or fifties going, I want to do that. That's the kind of movie. Please I'm let doing. us also not forget the Oscar worthy performance from Christopher Lloyd in this movie. Yeah. It was, yeah his absolute fantastic, uh, just amazing performance. All right. Well, um, I'm going to have to cut us all off early. We've run out of time, but that just means we're going to have to do a part two to get through um, the rest of our eight through one. So eight through one. <laughs> follow us online. So many You'll find all the links there. Come back next week for part two of our 2021 year in review. See you soon.